Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org Alright, um... Are you ready? We could go in the section this morning. Let's take the word. We're still dealing with the Lord is there. And you can say this is part two of that. The Lord is there. Praise the Lord. And for our technical people, I'm sure you already um, you put together the whole series on entering the city of God that takes up a different section so we're just building on this um, let's take it from Ezekiel 48 again uh, Ezekiel 48 reading from verse 34 talking about the city and the dimension of the city um, and it says and at the west side 4,500 with your uh, three gates, one gate of God, one gate of Asha, one gate of Naphtali. And then verse 35 says it was round about 18,000 measures. And the name of the city from that day shall be what? The Lord is there. Hallelujah. The name of that city from that day shall be called the Lord is there. And I made you to understand that the Lord is there actually means Jehovah Shammah. That's what it stands for on the Hebrew. Now, I want you to get this right. The name of that city shall be called the Lord is there. Not that the city will be called so a mere name, I mean as it were, but that the reality of God will be expressed through this city. The city itself is not just like a name. Maybe this is worry. The city name is worry. That is not what basically is talking about. But what he's saying is the reality of who God is is going to be expressed through this city. Hallelujah. So Jehovah Shema is the only true God, the faithful God, who keeps all His promises. He's rich in mercy, He's glorious in majesty, He's righteous in His judgment, wise and holy in His government. His presence makes us happy. And then if He withdraws His presence from us, we go into misery. So now, Jehovah Shammah is trying to say or is telling us that when God is in your life, all of those things I just mentioned will begin to be revealed to you. You become a place where God himself reveals his faithfulness, his goodness, his loving kindness, his holy and righteous judgment. They are manifested through you and in you, as being the city of the living God. 
When His presence is out of your life, the next thing is sorrow, pain, or whatever you want to think about. How many of you understand the scripture made it abundantly clear? In the presence of the Lord is what? Fullness of joy. That's what we're talking about. In the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. So when God is not there, the only thing left behind is nothing but what? Mysteries and pains and sorrow. So when we say the Lord is there, it simply means God is coming in to manifest all of His glorious attributes in and through you. Like I told you the first time, the Bible made it abundantly clear that we are the temple of the living God. The very city of the living God. And so God is expecting to manifest all of these things in and through us as a people. So when we say the Lord is there, or the Lord dwells in you, you are not just describing something in terms of ordinary name. You are talking about God's quality and descriptive nature being manifested in and through you. Praise the Lord. Let me show you something from Psalm 90, 97 verse 5. Psalm 97 verse 5. The hills melted like wax, as what? At the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth, the hills melted. He speaks of obstructions, little dominions, pockets of powers. And the Bible says they melted at the presence of the Lord. What that means is, if God is in your life, those little hills we begin to do what? Merit. You know, from hills you go to mountains. Mountains speaks of dominions or kingdoms or powers. Hills speaks of little mountains, if you will, growing up to become, you know, powers that will torment and terrorize you. But in the presence of the Lord, the hills will begin to do what? Begin to melt. That's what he says. So when he says, from that day, when the city have been put together, when all the twelve tribes, remember, have finally settled and have their portion in the land, and the temple of the Lord is built, then the world said the Lord is there. Meaning, all of those mountains and hills and whatever obstructions that may have been facing you, as long as God begins to take you as his place of residence, those things begin to do what? Begin to melt. See, if we truly can understand what I'm about to say and what I'm telling you, our prayer point and our prayer life will change. Because you pray with the consciousness of the man that resides in you, based on his promises, on his thought and his determination to ensure that the peace that you ever will ever need in this life is revealed and in through you. The hills melted like wax. Are the presence of the Lord. So all we need to look for, all we need to cry for, all we need to truly think about experiencing is not about what? His presence. Because when His presence in your life, the hills will melt. The issues will dissolve. All by themselves. The hills cannot stand the presence of God. Problems cannot stand the presence of God. What we need is His presence. That the city might be called the Lord 
is there. Hallelujah. Psalm 16 verse 11. For thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is what? The fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. In thy presence is fullness of joy. By implication, God intends us, God wants us, God is working towards ensuring that we are ever joyful no matter the situation. And that is why he talks about he will give you peace that passeth all understanding. And the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Not just joy, fullness of joy. So why is it that ultimately we are not happy in life? It tells us something. We are not in His presence. Why is it that we are so agitated almost all the time? It tells us something. We are not in His presence. We have not allowed Him to make us truly His temple. Hallelujah. By implication, the ultimate meaning of that name, the Lord is there, have not been realized. Why is our joy so short? Because we miss His presence. What should we be seeking for? Not joy, but what? His presence. Because in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Not just a measure. Fullness of joy. What should you be asking for? Do you really have to pray for joy? Ultimately, I think the best thing to pray for is what? His presence. Hallelujah. Are we together? That's what we need. We need more of His presence on a daily basis. And if you come to this understanding, even if you're walking on the road, you must know that what? The presence of the Lord is with you. Because He has said, I will not forsake you, nor leave you. I will not. He made the promise. For the name of that city shall be called, the Lord is there. Let me show you what happens. Uh, I'll read it from two translations. But let's first of all look at it from King James. Uh, the book of Psalms. Psalm 114. 114 verse 1. The Lord is there. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of a strange language. Now I want you to follow because it's so important. When Israel went out of Egypt, when they left a people of a strange language, get it right. Are you with me? When you left the world, when God desired and determined to get you to Himself, for no man can come to the Lord except the Father draws him, when God drew you to your to Himself, when you left the realm of a strange language, foreign language, wrong cultures, something will begin to happen. Look at verse 2. Judah was his sanctuary. Let me just read it. I'm going to go down to amplify to really break it down so that you have a clear understanding. Anyway, let's just go straight to save all the time. Let's go straight to amplify translation. Good. Now go back to verse 1. Go back to verse 1. Hallelujah. When Israel came forth out of Egypt, 
Egypt is the type of the world. Is that okay? The house of Jacob from a people of a strange language. Judah became God's sanctuary. The holy place of what? His habitation. You get it. From that day, don't forget, from that day, the city shall be called what? The Lord is there. His dwelling place. So when Israel left Egypt, the Bible made us understand, and God calls them strange language, foreign language, foreign culture. I mean, it tells you something, that there have to be a language in the hearts of God that is different from the language you speak outside of the house of God. It tells us something. When God calls you out from the world, He changes your language. He changes your tongue. You've got to start confessing what is in your new state of being. You've got to start speaking what is involved or what is consigned in your new location or environment. There are some strange languages you must put behind you. Hallelujah. Bible says Judah became God's sanctuary, the holy place of his habitation. And Israel is what? His dominion. I want you to get this. When God called you to himself, he makes you his dwelling place, and not just that, he makes you his place of dominion, place of authority, place of power. Praise God. You following me? Look at the next verse. Verse 3. The rest sea looked and fled. Now, you watch this. What made the rest sea to flee? Because God was in the midst of the children of Israel. The rest sea saw that these people are coming. God is in their midst. So what happened? The rest they parted for the children of Israel to go through. Why? God was in the midst of the children of Israel. Because he has already said that Judah became what? His sanctuary. And Israel became what? His dominion. The rest they saw. What are they saying? Can I tell you something? The devil doesn't see you. The devil sees the God that is in you. Are you listening to me? That is why you need to have Him. You need to have His presence continuously with you. And if you have this understanding, you can ensure your fears. Hallelujah. Is anybody understanding this? The Red Sea looked and fled. Jordan River was turned back. How many of you remember? When Joshua was leading the people to cross the River Jordan, the parted ways. Why? God was in their midst. If God is in your midst, the enemy will be afraid of you. That is what you need. Instead of spending all the time praying against witches and wizards, spending all the time biding Satan, spending all the time, man, just ask for more of his presence. That's all you need. For when the enemy sees the presence of God, they will give way for you. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 5. Okay, verse 4. 
The mountains keep like rams. The little hills like what? Lambs. You know how a lamb skips or a ram skips? You, you, you understand it? The mountains and the hills all begin to melt and disappear. Why? Because God was in the midst of the children of Israel. Listen, this is what God wants to achieve in and through you. That everything that is called mountain, you see, we, we, we know, we talk about mountain before the ruler base shall be brought down. So we take that in prayer point. There's no problem about that. But what about you having his presence and the mountain themselves begin to skip before you start bringing them down? It's not you bringing them down. They want to run out from your presence. Why? Because the Lord is in your midst. Glory to God. This is what it means. The name of that city shall be called the Lord is there. Anytime, anywhere, as you are sitting down, the devil is afraid to come close to you. Because the devil is not seeing you. He's seeing the man that is on your inside. He's seeing the God that you carry. So the amount of God you carry, the amount of his presence that you carry will determine what happens to you in this life. Are you still with me? I want you to get this, people of God. And when the Lord begins to speak this to me, minister this to me, I mean, it's giving me a lot of food for thought, reconciling as to why we really live the way we're living. As to why is it that we're so oppressed, yet we're called Christians? How can the city of God be so oppressed the way we are being oppressed? Right now. It only tells us something. We have little of His presence. That is, if at all we don't have Him. There's a big, big difference between believing in Jesus as a Savior that saves you from your sin, and there's another dimension of believing Jesus as being called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. When you start understanding that God determined to dwell with you, to dwell in you, your fears will do what? Disappear. Praise the living God. This is where he orders your footsteps. It's from within. He takes, he takes charge of your life. And you're not just only being a sanctuary, you're also becoming the dominion of God. In other words, through you, he intends to accomplish things on the face of the earth. His reign and rule begins to manifest in your life. You remember when he created Adam and Eve, the Bible says, he said, let them have dominion. Now, Israel has become the dominion of God. Until today, even practically speaking, we can see how powerful Israel is because they believe that God is with them. They serve the only true God. When you start serving the true God, when you start realizing that the almighty creator have determined to dwell in your life, your fears will disappear. You should come to that place of understanding, man. You are not just alone. For one with God, the Bible says what? It's majority. If God be for us, who can be against us? If you be follower of that which is good, who can harm you? Second Peter said, if you be follower of that which is good, say, who can harm you? The answer is no man. So, what are we talking about? The only reason people can harm us, or ever think of harming us, is because we are not full out of that which is good. And who is good? Only God is good. 
Hallelujah. So I see lights shining before you. I see his presence going before you. And I've seen that which is called the enemy running after and before you. Giving way so that God himself will continue to walk through. As you become the temple of the living God. This is not just some statement that we make. This is not just some statement we make and describe. And No, you know that you are a temple of God. It's much more than that. I'm talking about realizing that God dwells on your inside. For right from that day, that city shall be called what? The Lord is there. Hallelujah. Look at verse, verse 5. Verse 5 says, What is you? In other words, what is troubling you, Red Sea? That you are fleeing. Or Jordan, that you turn back. What is your problem? It's like this, like a sarcastic statement. This like a mockery. Is that Okay. Why are, you, why are you running? Who is pushing you? Why don't you stand if you think you are strong? Why don't you stop the people if you think you are strong? Oh, glory to God. Are you following me? We, 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 we always think about, oh, come on. Every, every Pharaoh that is pursuing you, which are drowning the Red Sea. You are waiting for Pharaoh to pursue? Why not you allow the Red Sea part before Pharaoh think of ever coming? These are two different dimensions. So we'll come to church, we are praying about Pharaoh pursuing us. But I'm showing you in a different dimension where you don't even think about the Pharaoh. You're just walking through. Are you see that? You may not even see the Pharaohs. Remember, said this man you see today, you will see them no more. When will that be? Only when the Red Sea parts. Am I correct? So what I'm saying is, don't wait for the Pharaoh to come close for you to see them before the Red Sea parts. Just have him, and as you are coming, the rest is giving way. Hallelujah. What ails thee? What is troubling you? Man, it comes to a point in your life, you are going to be questioning issues in your life. What is driving you now? You, this oppressive spirit. What is pursuing you? Now I know the secret. You run it because this man is now residing within me. By implication, a time comes, the problem you are seeing, you don't see them anymore. And you'll be wondering, what is happening? Where are those problems? Where are those mountains? Where are those Red Sea that want to stop me from moving? Where I can't see them anymore. So you're asking the question, what is happening to you, Red Sea? And the answer is simply because the Lord is in you. Hallelujah. Friends, you think about it. Will it not be easier for us to live life this way than fighting the battles all the time? Which one is better? <laughs> Having his presence and then the hills are melting, the mountains are fleeing before you, or you fighting all the time? Glory to God. And when he said, the cell become his dominion. Remember, that makes you very important. That, that's also very important. That means the authority of God is resident within you. And that you can take charge at any point in time. Hallelujah. Look at verse 6. You mountains that you skip like rams. And you little hills like lambs. He's asking the question still. 
all your problems. What is your problem? I can't see you anymore. I see you scattering. I see you running. I see you just giving way when I have even said nothing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Verse number 7. He said, Tremble, O earth, at what? The presence of the Lord. At the presence of the God of who? Of Jacob. Verse 8. Who turned the rock into a pool of water? The flee to the fountain of what? Of waters. Hallelujah. Tremble. That's what he's saying. In other words, whatever thing that's supposed to be an opposition, begin to tremble. Why? Because there is this God. Remember? This God that turns the rock into a pool of water is resident within me. So it's about time you tremble. You see, you thought you were strong enough to oppose me. Now where are you? You better begin to tremble. You better begin to understand it. That a God who turns water, I mean, brought water out of the rock, that same God is resident within me. And that God is about changes, circumstances, and situation. It's not about me. It's about Him. The more I have of Him, the more peace and joy that I'm going to live. And you cannot be able to oppose me because in your attempt to oppose me, you are opposing Him who is resident within me. Praise the Lord. You getting it? I want you to follow because this is very crucial for me. Very, very important. So, this God, by His favor and presence, bring the conflicts of all good persons, families, and cities that we better of dwell within the earth, governs them, it defends them, it prospers them, and he crowns them. Just having him. Just having him. Hallelujah. Let me read one more passage. Then I think we need to pray. Revelation chapter 7. You can also take it from the Amplified Translation. Chapter 7. Let me read from verse number 9. After this I looked. And a vast host appeared, which no one could count. Gathered out of every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, they stood before the throne and before the Lamb. They were attired in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Now, he's talking about the redeems of the Lord. When he talking about the white robes, he speaks about the righteousness of Christ which we as redeemed people are now wearing. Is that okay? And when you talk about palms in their hand, it's a symbol of praise and worship and glorification. Remember when Jesus was entering the city of Jerusalem. I mean, if you understand that. Very good. It's a time to honor. So we're talking about men who live in the righteousness of God and praising God. It's not something that is coming tomorrow. It's something that you can experience now. The next thing. It says, In a loud voice they cried, saying, Our salvation, not in terms of crying, 
in terms of bitterness, but they are rejoicing. The cry here speaks about singing or shouting. Is that okay? Our salvation is due to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. To them, we own our what? Deliverance. So what they are saying here, we've been delivered because this man is on the throne. But don't forget, they are before the throne. To be before the throne means we are in the presence of the throne. And this is the kind of thing that comes out of your mouth when you are in the presence of God. When you are before the throne, you are thinking about how He has delivered you. Not how He is going to, you are already set free for you to be in His presence. Look at the next thing, verse 11. And all the angels were standing round about the throne, around about the elders of the heavenly Sahendrin, and the four living creatures, and they fell prostrate before the throne and worshipped. You see, you can only worship when you are close enough to the throne. So, for you to be worshipping this dimension, that simply means you are before the throne. So, it means to be before the throne means you are right there. Is that okay? And now the Bible tells us we should come boldly to the throne. How many of you remember that? So it's not something that's going to happen tomorrow. It's not just something. God is always speaking to us about what is already taking place and what has taken place. By reason of we have been delivered from this present evil world and translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. Praise the Lord. And so we worship. So where do we worship? We worship before the throne. We give glory to God before the throne. He can't be outside of the throne. Amen? You remember in your natural kings... When people need to worship the king, what happens? They get close enough to the throne. They bow before the throne. Praise the living God. That's what we're saying here. Those who have been delivered, those who have been set free, those who are putting on the white robe, with the righteousness of God, we worship before the throne. Meaning, we are in His presence. Look at the next thing. And so be it. That's amen. They cried. Blessing and glory and majesty and splendor and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and might be ascribed to our God to the ages and ages, forever and ever, throughout the eternities of the eternities. Amen. So be it. Verse number 13 says, Then addressing me, one of the elders of the heavenly Sahendrin said, Who are these people clothed in long white robes? And from where have they come? Look at the next thing. I replied, sir. In other words, it's like an answer. You know. He said to me, these are they. You know, remember when he said, you know. What he's trying to say, I don't really know. But you have the answer. Is that okay? And what did he say? He said, he said unto me, these are they who have come out of what? The great tribulation, which is persecution, oppression. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of who? Of the Lamb. What does the blood do for you? The blood is what saves you. You are saved through the blood. Is that okay? Your sins are forgiven through the blood. He said, come unto me. Let's reason together. If your sin be as red as crimson, it shall be white as snow. How many of you understand that? So the blood, we've been washed through the blood. Now we put on the righteousness of who? Of Christ. That's what he said. Who are these people singing this song? That they are the men that have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus. Now, if I may ask you, are you a redeemed creature? That's who you are. The four living creatures mentioned there, 
It's not talking about some, some, you know, you have the face of the lion, the eagle, the lion. Remember that? The four living creatures. That's what it stands for. So it's about the lion, the eagle, the lion, and what? The ox. These are the four living creatures. And all of these things speaks of the personality of Jesus Christ that must be re- you must be redeemed into. In other words, the man, Jesus was a man, the face of a man, the face of an ox, the face of an eagle, and the face of what? The lamb. These are the four faces of the living creature, which you also must experience. Is that okay? They speak of the four personalities that you, you, you describe in was it psychology or whatever, the tranquil, the melancholy, the phlegmatic, and what again? The choleric. These are the four faces that you must be redeemed out of or redeemed into. That's what I mean by the four living creatures. These are the four personalities that you must begin to possess. And Jesus walked through all of them. Is that okay? So, the redeemed creatures we're looking at here are the four personalities. Not just some figures somewhere out there. But it speaks about your life. That talks about how you ought to be redeemed from the natural man into these dimensions of God. We speak of the first faces of the living creature. You find that also in the book of Ezekiel chapter 1. The four living creatures. Is that okay? Alright. But I'm saying this has to do with the people that have been redeemed from the earth. Praise the living God. And putting on the righteousness of God. Because he said, where are these people singing this song? See, that men are passed through the great tribulation. The oppression of the atomic life. The oppression of the system you find yourself. You've been able to get out of that through the blood, the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus. You've accepted the blood. You've moved out of that. So your life is not like what it used to be. Amen? Therefore, you are now in this presence. You can sing the song that you were supposed to. Don't forget what we are dealing with. The name of the city shall be called what? The Lord is there. Look at the next thing, verse 15. It says, verse 15, For this reason, they are now before the very throne, can you say it, of God, and serve Him day and night in the sanctuary. Where? In His temple. And He will sitting upon the throne, will protect and spread His tabernacle over and shelter them with what? With His presence. This is the point. Your protection is from the presence of the Lord. Glory to God. Did you get something there? For this reason they were before the throne of God and serve Him day and night. Now let me tell you something. For you to understand what I'm saying has to do with you now and not something that's going to happen and not something... Now, in eternity, in the spirit realm, you don't have day and night. Does it make sense to you? Where do you have their night? On the earth. That tells you it's not talking of something tomorrow. This is what drove me from one of the denominations when I newly came to the Lord. You know? I was sharing with a young man yesterday. When I newly came to the Lord and I was attending what is called Sunday school, and then one of my students then was my Sunday school teacher. You know, in the, in, the, in the class. So, now she was teaching and was reading, I think, Revelation 13. You know, and was talking about those who receive the mark of the beast. In their forehead and their right hand. They shall be tormented in the presence of the holy angel and the presence of the lion. And forever and ever. 
And then he said, that has to do with lake of fire. That you're going to be there tormented. Then I said, okay, fine. I have no problem now, but I have a question. If, if those who have the mark of the beast in their forehead and in their right hand are going to be tormented in the presence of the holy angel and in the presence of the lamb, and that looks like a lake, which is called, we're, called, we're told, the lake of fire. Is that okay? Now, I know from scriptures that the lamb is Jesus Christ. I also know from scriptures the holy angels are supposed to be spirit beings. Now, if they are going to be tormented, those who are wicked receive the mark of the beast in the presence of the holy angel and the presence of the lamb, how are we going to share fellowship with Jesus in heaven? Because he said forever and ever. And day and night. And that was my problem. And then the only thing the pastor could say was, some people are coming to church to look for trouble. <laughs> and we don't want people like that here. That's how they drove me from the church. I took my Bible and I have to go. They said, I didn't come to look for trouble. I want to know. You already told me what heaven looks like. You already told me how we're going to share fellowship. You are filled with the presence. You are no longer thirsty. Because you are not filled of the righteousness of who? Of God. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about natural hunger. Say, come, yet that are hungry. Eat freely. Come, yet that are thirsty of Isaiah. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the new life that you have. These people who have come to the presence of God, they don't need more of His presence. They are already full with His presence. So they are not hungry anymore for righteousness. They are not thirsty anymore. Is that okay? Praise God. That's what He's dealing with. And He said, the Bible says that the sun shall not smite them, nor scorch the heat where that talking to man. Natural situations can no longer hurt you. You are no longer living under the influence of natural situations. The sun can only touch you because you are a natural man. So when you're talking about the sun here, you're talking about natural situation affecting your life. The Bible is saying, in this presence, when God begins to reside in you, natural circumstances can no longer do what? Affect you. That's what it means, the sun shall not smile there by day. You know, David said the same thing. The sun shall not smile there by day, not any moon by night. How many of you remember that? But that again. Time is not there, I'll show you. But that has to do with the man that's living outside of the temple. When I mean the temple, outside of the holy place. Because if you look at the temple in the wilderness, you find that the outer court is not covered. The only place that is covered is the holy place and the most holy place. But the outer court is not covered. So if your salvation is ending in the outer court, the sun will smile thee and the moon will also smile thee. But if you move into the most holy place and the holy place, that side is covered with the animal skin. That means the sun cannot touch you, the moon cannot touch you, and then you come to the scripture that says, They that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of war of the Almighty. And he said, A thousand shall fall, and ten thousand on the right hand. He said, Well, with your eyes shall you behold the reward of the wicked. That means things will be happening naturally, but they cannot come to you. Why? Because you are in the presence of the Lord. You follow what I'm talking about here? So that's what he's talking about. Let's take the next one and see if we can finish from here. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. Glory to God. And he will guide them to the springs of waters of life. 
and God will wipe away every tear from what? From their eyes. You just need to understand it. Jesus promised the water. John 7, 37. Remember that? Out of their belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. That's why they will not thirst again. So we are thirsting of the Holy Spirit. Thirsting of the presence of God. No more of that. Because now we have Him in full. Praise the living God. They shall no longer go hungry. Just get that right. But the Lamb Himself is going to be in the midst of them. So they shall no hunger anymore. They shall no longer be deprived of their religious ordinances and the blessedness that accompanies them. And they were in the state of persecution. You can no longer hunger. You know, you are filled. You are not depressed. God is doing something. God is working on something in and your behalf. Neither shall the light. I mean, the sun be the light. That is the secular rulers of this world. Remember, the sun shall rule the day and the moon shall rule the night. Are you there with me? Good. When you come to this place where you are actually in the presence of the Lord, natural orders, natural rulers can no longer control your life. The sun will not rule you, neither will the moon. Hallelujah. And some of the people will say, well, how many of you understand sometimes people shoot the arrows to the sun and they are sending arrows to your enemies? People do that. Huh? So I may have to do some things in the middle of the night using the moon as an incantation. Okay. And scripture says, the sun shall not smile thee by day, neither the moon by night. That means whatever thing anybody tries to do on your behalf will not prosper. That's what he's saying. Are you sitting there with me? So you have nothing to be afraid of. About the sun, let them do the incantation. Let them do whatever thing they need to do. Their arrows are not going to go farther. Because the Bible says the sun will not rule you, neither the moon in the night. So anything anybody is trying to do, man, you are just a free man. Praise God. Are you following me? Are you still there? He said, neither the heat of them, which have to do with persecution and affliction. No. God is just trying to tell you, listen to me. No matter what anybody tries to do against you, they will never affect you. The heat of oppression will not come. Because every arrow shot towards the sun for your sake will not even arise. It's not even going to land. Because the sun will not smile day by day, neither the moon by night. Are you following that? That's what the Bible is saying. How are we going to overcome or achieve this? Just to beware in His presence. And the name of the city from that day shall be called the Lord is there. Instead of spending your energy pursuing powers, pursuing authorities, pursuing, why not you pray for more of His presence? Why not you pray for more of His glory? Why don't you pray for more of His power? Just have more of His presence around you. All this is I'm talking about will just be taking place. You will not even be thirsty for righteousness anymore because you shall be filled. You will not be hungry for more of God. You shall be filled. The more you come to His presence, there is fullness of what? Of joy. Anything they want to do against you will not prosper. Why? Because you are in the presence of the Lord. And the Bible makes to understand that the light of this temple is the Lord Himself. And you can find that in John chapter 1. What did he tell you? It means you understand. This is the light that lighteneth every man that cometh into the world. The light that lighteneth. This light, darkness cannot do what? Comprehend it. Hallelujah. 
the city light have no need of the sun, not the moon, for the Lord himself is the light Jaron. Are you there with me? And this light is light that lightens every man that cometh into the world and get it right. Because this light is the light that lightens you. The Bible says darkness cannot comprehend. You know what that means? Darkness cannot overtake. Darkness cannot swallow. Darkness cannot oppress. Darkness cannot depress. Man, you are a glorious light. Come and stand up somebody. This light cannot be comprehended. Darkness cannot understand you. Sickness cannot overtake you. Death cannot overtake you. Anything that is called darkness cannot comprehend, cannot understand, cannot oppress, cannot suppress your life. That's what the Bible is talking about. Because there is a light that lightens every man. Come on, can we pray for more of His presence this morning? We just need His presence. For this city shall be called. The Lord is there. I'm talking about a city. This city name, the nature of this city is that God is in this city. His glory is in this city. Just begin to talk to the Father. Bray Posakada Bashento. Rendo Santarika Shakadi Prasakaba. No darkness can comprehend this light, this glory. No darkness can comprehend Abashantoriba. No darkness can. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. The Lord is in this city. His presence is here. We worship before His presence.